Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about the new moon in the second decan of Libra. I am joined here today by my good friend, Melissa LaFara. How are you doing, Melissa? Oh, I am doing just wonderful today on this fr fine Friday morning for me, afternoon for you. <laughs> yeah, Venus Day, right? On Venus Day, we wear green. Um, but uh, if you are stopping in today, uh, tell us where you're where you're coming from, where you're stopping in by in the chat box there. Um, we're going to be doing a, a deep dive in all of the some some Libra significations. We're going to talk about a really busy first couple weeks of October, including a, a few Kazemis with Mars and, and Mercury coming up and a whole mess of planets turning direct. Um, but if you have any questions for us, um, leave them in the chat box and um, we'll try to uh, do the best we can with it. So, so Mel, tell me a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to our audience. You have some really exciting things that you've been working on the past few years, right? Oh, yes. Uh, okay. Well, who am I? What do I do? Well, first off, I'm located in San Diego, California, as you can see by all the sun filtering into my office slash dining room <laughs> right now. Um, and what do I do? Well, I am a full-time astrologer and podcast host for the Energetic Principles podcast, which Spencer has joined me uh, on a few times. And we've always get uh, a lot of rave reviews when we come together with our SM7Bs and our, <laughs> our deep voices. Um, I'm also a, a musician and um, just uh, an enthusiast of life, basically. Uh, and yeah, fellow Cancer, just like Spencer, um, Capricorn full moon and Scorpio rising in case you like to hear those details about people. Uh, but yeah, I've been practicing astrology for well over Jupiter cycle now, and I'm always excited to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love your show. You, you always have the most amazing guests on there and, um, you're a wonderful host as well. So everybody check out energeticprinciples.com and subscribe to her, uh, her podcast and check out her offerings. Um, any classes or offerings coming up for you, Melissa? I don't have anything that you could sign up for today, but I am in the process of making my next course, which is actually going to be a playoff. The two courses I did before, um, earlier in 2021 and in 2020, which is an astrology basics program that I've been shuffling along and I'm working on the 301, which is actually going to be mundane forecasting, kind of like what we're doing here today, um, in relation to, you know, planning your own life. Uh, if you are a practicing astrologer, being able to share that information with others, uh, and even dabbling into things such as how that works with, uh, countries in the world and uh, in different aspects of mundane. So that is in the works. Um, so stay tuned for that. And if that is something that you are interested in learning more about, I do have a mailing list that you can sign up for on my website, which will inform you of the learning opportunities that come up. But also I do now have a monthly newsletter called the heavenly wind, uh, which comes out at the beginning of the month, just a couple of days before the month turns over October just went out. I'm going to send out another round of it here for the new subscribers that come in. But if that's something that you're interested in and want to keep up with the learning opportunities, I recommend you signing up for my uh, newsletter slash mailing list. Nice. So everybody go sign up for Mel's newsletter. Um, just to get some more of the housekeeping out of the way, I also have a Deccan's workshop that's coming up 
Uh, a week from Saturday, the Decans of Libra is going to be starting on October the 9th. I believe that's at 1 p.m. Eastern stand, Eastern Daylight Time, I think is what we're still going under there. And uh, I've been partnering up with my astrological friends and to, to help give folks 20% off. So for people that are uh, fans slash uh, subscribers for Melissa's work, you can use the code EP20 to get 20% off of the both the Decans um, of Libra or the, de the bundle for fall where you can sign up for all three of Libra, Scorpio, and Sagittarius. So that code again is EP20 if you want to get 20% off. Um, all right, so that's that's kind of the <laughs> some of our of our uh, shilling out of the way. Here. Yeah, it's getting all that uh, we were just talking about how the the other night about uh, how you know you want to just do the work, you want to create, you want to share, and then having to share and promote is something that especially artists like Spencer and myself, uh, musicians can have a hard time doing because yeah. it's like you know those are two separate roles. So to be there is can be a little difficult at times. But I'm loving seeing the chat already. And we have, uh, we have a worldly chat. We have yeah. uh, Remco from Rotterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, we have Gavin in Seattle, Angela in Paris. I love Paris. Um, I wish I was there with you. <laughs> yeah, and Taria is coming from Finland. So we have a Finland crew that stops oh, Finland. by. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. You're so that... worldly, Spencer. Where are you? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I love having uh, all these international friends stopping by. Um, they add such a unique perspective to the to the chat and to the questions, and I love seeing and hearing their perspectives as well. So, um, so happy that you're all joining us here today. All right. Oh, and Christopher is joining us from Denver. So not to not to be left out. You know, Denver is <laughs> is represented as well. So thank you, Christopher, yeah. for stopping by. Um, so Mel, should we pull up this chart here and see what we've got? Yeah, let's pull, let's pull it up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we're looking at the chart of the new moon at 13 degrees of Libra on October the 6th, 7.05 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time and 4.05 a.m. if I'm not mistaken, Pacific Time, correct? Yeah, three three hours behind Wait, us here. Three hours behind, so we're okay. four oh three over here. All right, or four oh five. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we've like I said, this is really setting off some really active astrology for the beginning of the month of October. Um, anything that jumps out to you right away, Mel? <laughs> Well, we'd be remiss to say if we didn't just talk about right away seeing that uh, Sun, Moon, Mars combo, and of course, Mercury retrograde not far off in the uh, distance there in Libra. Because um, it, it is not every day that the Sun and Mars come together. This is, you know, about a two year cycle. Um, we haven't had Mars and the Sun meet since September of 2019. Um, and it's introducing new energy in Libra just in general, uh, because the last three sun Mars conjunctions actually took place in Virgo. We had three in a row since 2015. Mm -hmm. So, 
Uh, it's it, there's, I mean, obviously we're talking about the new moon in Libra today, but there's something within this, uh, kind of kickoff energy that new moons bring that is really seated in the sun Mars conjunction. Um, and it's not quite there yet because it happens the following day. So there's something to be said about, it's not quite on the other side of it yet. It's almost on the last wrapping up <laughs> of what that, that can mean. So it's, it, to me, it feels like this really liminal space, um, between all these planets coming together, but it's so potent, uh, in many ways too. So that's kind of the first thing that pops out to me. What about you, Spencer? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely setting off a whole new cycle, right? I mean, you know, you pointed out that the Mars cycles generally, uh, and we're talking about the synodic cycle, so the connection of Mars and the sun, where Mars is becoming reborn in the heart of the sun, which traditional astrologers would call its Kazemi moment. So not only are we having the, the monthly lunar rebirth that happens every 30 days or so, but we're having a rebirth of the martial energy that happens every two years. And this is... Um, there's a lot going on here because Mercury is going to be reborn uh, two days after the, the new moon. Yes. And we're, we're in a Deccan, a 10 degree section of the Zodiac that's associated with contracts, with oaths, with the things that we are, the agreements that we are bound to. This is a double Saturn ruled Deccan. Um, it, it, it's, you know, the card that we've got is pretty funky with the, the three of swords here, right? I know. I know yes. you do the tarot here. I have to say, yeah, yeah we're, we have our two <laughs> three of swords here. I'm like, look at those swords. Right. Uh, all the rest of my cards um, dropped when we said that. Right. So this, so this is like, like the drama. The moon is in Leo right now. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's, um, you know, the book T and the book of Toth call that card sorrow. Um, it's bringing us some some challenging energy, uh, but really I think there's you know if we look at the progression uh, with the decans of Libra, and this is something I'll talk about in depth in my workshop coming up. But we start off in the first decan um, having an awareness potentially of the inequalities that we're trying to balance out, and here in the second decan we we've kind of we're trying to negotiate the terms of a, of a new deal for fairness. And then by the third decan, we're going to get into the point where we have to make the adjustments that are necessary to keep the the equilibrium afloat, so to speak. Like, imagine like you you meet somebody, you recognize them as an opposite or, or something other than you, and then you you have the wedding or the marriage in the second decan here, and then the third decan is like once you get married, it's not like you you just everything's happily ever after despite what hollywood will have you believe there's lots of many adjustments that you need to make to keep the the relationship healthy so i think this this particular point is really about the negotiation phase and the new contracts that we're going to be you know faced with the new obligations and and both mars and the sun are not super comfortable um, yeah. in their dignity. What, what do you think about that with the, the sun and its, uh, and its fall and Mars and exile here? Well, okay. So there's a couple things we can say about that and we could play it off of the tarot and, and the decan that you were just talking about. And one of the things I want to, uh, bring up about it is that it's not just the three of swords. I mean, three of swords is the decan there, but when we look at the majors that are associated 
with it um, because the three of swords is Saturn in Libra, which Saturn in Libra is actually an exalted position. So it's interesting to think about that, but it plays into justice, mm. um, which it, oh, AKA adjustment, which is a term you just used and also the universe or the world. Um, and so there, there's a, there's a worldly measure when we think about it, you know, adjustment and justice cause and effect. Some would like to say karma, uh, and in relation to cycles that wrap up cycles that begin, um, and another kind of like karmic adjustment that takes place. Um, and when, we talk about the sun being in its fall and Mars being in its detriment. When we talk about debilitated planets, what happens is there's just an inconsistency there that is part of it. And when we think about binding contracts, it's not just the contracts that we enter into, it's the contracts we've been in as well. And part of the three of swords energy is that because it has this double Saturn effect, it connects with, in the Kabbalah, it connects with Bina, which is the point of understanding. And so what happens when this area is brought up is, is a lot of times we come to uh, understanding certain things or knowing things that can't be unknown. And that can affect our bindings and mm. our agreements where we know things and we're like, oh, we got to do this. We got to sign up for it. This is, this is meant to be, I have to stick with this. I have to commit with it. Or now I know this thing and, uh, I can't unsee it. And I see this, then there could be the sorrow around like, ah, this isn't going to work mm. or, you know, and then the Mars element of the cutting and the inconsistency that can come there too. Um, but it's an idea of being faced with the inevitable. And sometimes when we're faced with the inevitable, well, usually we can't stay in the position that we're in. There's information that comes in and that then allows the storyline to shift. And to me, that is a debilitated planet. It's not upholding something it's, and it's the pivot nature of cardinal energy to begin with and air, you know, this is the possibilities that are out there, the negotiations and the talks that we have, the plan, the strategy that's in place. And so I have a feeling we're going to be faced with, um, it could be a separation. It could be a bonding, but either way, the story shifts hmm. in, in a way that is not upholding what we're going into in this current moment, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I, I love the way that you framed all of that. I think that when we enter into an agreement, whether it's a partnership or a marriage or something like that, there's been, um, different sages over various periods of time that talk about it being a death of sorts, the death of, a, of an individual to become the birth of a partnership. And we, we're, we're going to have to give something up, I think, uh, with this. I think that, you know, Libra, I love that you're pointing out the exaltation of Saturn. Um, it, it is, of course, the domicile of Venus, but I, I really like blending the domicile ruler and the exaltation ruler together to get the flavor of that sign. And, you know, I think that's one of the hidden secret um, meanings, esoteric meanings of Saturn in general, is trying to strive for balance and really through through contraction, right, we, we, we come to that equilibrium. Um, you know, they said that Saturn was the, the planet of Nemesis, which is actually one of the spirits of, of Libra. Uh, the deck, the third decan is is uh, ruled by Nemesis in a, a Hellenistic fragment called the Thirty Six Heirs of the Zodiac, and Nemesis was said to restore right proportion, 
but through through maybe what feels like a punishment right so and i am i'm, I'm uh, it's it's hard for me to be super confident that whatever agreements that we are presented with are going to be fun or or not require a lot of courage and adjustment because of mars's presence in in the heart of that i think that you know to me this could also be the the breakdown of certain agreements that we've had like you were like you were saying but that may ho hopefully that will lead to um something more just and something more uh equal moving forward but we may have to go through that crumbling process first um yeah i, I <laughs> this is some really yeah. interesting astrology well, it really is and i mean when we're looking at astrology it's we can it it's we can look at a point in time like we're doing right now, but it is beneficial to look back um, and possibly look ahead. And we think about the last new moon that we just went um, through with the new moon in Virgo that had so many trines and air signs. I believe Venus was trining Jupiter as well. And there was a lot taken on. So even if this story and this realization and what might be shifting for you is a longer story, it could be a shorter story that is in the last month or so where maybe there, there was over commitments or, uh, going headstrong into something, um, that was like, oh, how am I going to make this all happen? Or do I have the energy? Do I have the time? This is another mm. thing with Saturn, um, because, you know, Saturn is in a loose trine to this, uh, uh, lunation here. I mean, it's not exact, but Saturn is stationing direct a few days after, uh, this new moon while Pluto is stationing on this new moon, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Mm. Um, but there's the idea too, that comes with this Deccan and the three of swords and, uh, adjustment and the world where, uh, it's the right timing, whether that's difficult or whether that, because sometimes difficult things are actually really positive. Like when you really want something in your, in, in life, sometimes we have to sacrifice and work hard and show up and persist and it's grueling, but the end result, the long-term, you know, the, the Saturnian long-term uh, plan that is behind it is, is worth it. But to me, there seems to be some element of it's the right time. And especially with the sun and Mars, uh, conjuncting, you know, because as you pointed out earlier, Spencer, you know, Mars is this, this action energy and the sun illuminates our purpose to it. And when it seeds, we are off to the races with a new agenda. Now, of course, we might not know exactly what that is. It, it has a couple of years to play itself out. Um, but we're all seeding within us, uh, different motivations and that is, also adding to the idea of it being the right time. So you might want to look at in your life, like what feels like the right time for you right now? What have you been, uh, what, what have you been ruminating on? What, uh, what is this Mercury retrograde square Pluto as Spencer and I are talking here today? What is yeah. that bringing up for you? The trying to Jupiter, Mercury trining Jupiter as well, you know, like think about what this might be the right time for you to do. And de depending, de not depending, but despite how hard it might be. Well, you know, Mel, you I, I, I wanted to, to point to point out something that Remco is bringing up in the chat, um, that, that the actual daimon or spirit of Libra 2 is Kairos. 
uh, which, you know, is basically the opportune moment. Uh, mm. and, and, you know, there's a little story about Kairos in Greek mythology where uh, he had a little lock of hair on the front of his forehead and you could only catch him from the front. Even Zeus himself, they would say, could not catch him from behind. So maybe there is that that right Kairos moment. Um, you know, Austin in his book, 36 Faces, talks a little bit of, less about Kairos and more about Horkos, which was a, a, a deity associated with oaths and commitments and bindings. So um, there's a little bit of confusion with those two, but I think that you may be channeling something with the, the, the opportune moment type of thing here. The um, opportune moment, because you don't want to miss it, right? Uh, exactly. Kelly says this is potent right now. <laughs> so <laughs> she must be feeling this in her life. Um, but it's true. And I know one of the things that uh, Spencer and I might talk about later, and I, I know he's like, I don't always get into mundane or like politics and things along those lines. But right now here I'll, in the I'll U.S., we're going I'll get into it. <laughs> he'll get into it. We're going through this, uh, you know, um, leadership crisis around our debt ceiling. And as, yeah. as some of you might know, we are headed towards a Pluto return here in the U.S. And, you know, pardon the words, but shit. It is about to hit the fan. Um, and this is leading into it. And we're under a crunch of time, right? And that's the idea of with right timing. Um, we might know inside that it's the right time to do something, but there's also pressure from the world or the outside or where we're on someone else's time mm. table. And if we don't act and we think about justice and adjustment and the idea of Libra, um, it, you know, cause and effect is a real thing. So it, it, sometimes the opportune moment isn't one that you make for yourself. It's pressure from the outside world or responsibilities that come in. And if you don't act in time, there is a cause and effect that is going to then unravel yeah. through that. And so that could be another, uh, another point of it as well. Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of the times when we have to renegotiate a contract, it's not because we want to. <laughs> it's because, you know, someone's brought up the fact that they, th they don't think that the, the, the old contract is functional. So, you know, it's always about, you know, adjustments. Um, and I think that sacrifice is really a part of it as well. Because if you want to make something work, uh, you do have to be able to see someone else's perspective and be able to have empathy and compassion for their viewpoint. Um, and this is something I was actually talking about yesterday with another fellow astrologer. We were talking a little bit about Mars Kazemi. Um, at the last conjunction in Virgo, the heliacal rising of Mars happened in Libra. So, you know, Mars became visible really in a very similar place that it's having the Kazemi now. And we've seen these, these conflicts. I, I'm tending to lean towards the seeding of Mars as description of what some of our main conflicts may be moving forward. Um, I do th I, I, the way that I like to think about a chart recently is that the planet is going to give us some circumstances to respond to, and we have to make adjustments based on the way the planet is asking us to respond. So like, for example, Mars. Mars being the planet uh, in a night sect that is related to 2K or Fortune, the, the sect of the moon. And Mars traditionally associated with bad fortune and the, and the sixth house, it joys in that sixth house of bad fortune. This may be some kind of misfortune that's coming to us that isn't necessarily something that we 
is our fault. It's not necessarily something that we did anything to deserve, but we have to respond in a way that we can think of the more positive sides of Mars, using our will, using our courage, being able to take action, fighting for the thing that we've been separated from. Sim similarly, you can think about this with Saturn, where maybe Saturn is a readjustment of, of actions that we have taken since it's of the solar sect, and we have to learn to endure, or we have to learn to have patience in that area of our life. So I, I it's, it's interesting that the last one happened, the heliacal rise, which basically means the the 15 degree separation of Mars from the sun, where it becomes visible, is we, we've been going through the last two years, some of the most polarized, like ideological type of experiences that I've ever experienced in my life, where people, they just, they can't even have a back and forth conversation. It's just what they, one person believes and what the other person believes, and there's really no meeting in the middle. And this is part of what we're seeing in America, like you were mentioning, with the negotiations with the debt ceiling, American politics has become so egregiously polarized that it just ceases to function altogether, or it, the threat of it dysfunctioning or not, not functioning is real. So I, I'm curious if this is another seed planted in that, in that direction. One thing I wanted to point out, Mel, um, before we move on, is just the host of this full moon, or new moon, excuse me, is Venus. But we are seeing a an aversion, uh, which means that Venus is not able to witness this new moon. Now, I came across this really interesting concept with Martine Hermes. I don't know if you're familiar with Martine, but he talked about the exaltation lord potentially taking over uh, some of the leadership for a, a particular planet if the if there is an aversion. So I'm curious if you if you resonate with this about maybe Saturn particularly kind of taking over some of the I don't know, the, the clay that's being provided for these planets uh, because Venus isn't able to provide uh, from her aversion, but also from her exile. I could totally see that. I, I think that, of course, we have this exaltation ruler Saturn that is going to play some role within a Libra new moon. But I think Saturn has just been so strong in its position as it is the fact that it's about to station the fact that 2021 is really like embroiled in the Saturn Uranus square that I think no matter how we slice it, we're always getting a piece of Saturn, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> like oh, Saturn, yeah. For sure. Saturn is always given us something here. So I could totally see why that would come into place, especially since it is within a whole sign trying to the the new mo new moon um it's in that like air uh space airspace I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes um and and venus like you said she is in a very uh interesting place if we pull out her uh decan we're in like mm -hmm. the seven of cups in, in, in what is known as debauch, which is actually <laughs> Venus. It is Venus's um, deck in there, Venus in Scorpio. Mm -hmm. But it's, it usually comes up when we have like all these options, we're, we're entertaining, there's a illusory uh, you know, quality to it. We have to make a choice. Some might be good. Some might be not so good. Uh, it's hard to see what those might be, but you know, uh, I was, I kept, I, the last couple of days, I keep waking up with the rush song in my head, free will. Yeah. Um, and in the part where he goes, 
if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. And I keep hearing, <laughs> I keep hearing this in my head. And it makes me think of that Deccan. Uh, and it also makes me think about uh, the new moon and Mars being there too. And we talked about it being in detriment um, and being in Venus's sign and not having, um, you know, Mars's decisive action. Mars knows it, what it wants. It's that spear, that th thrust forward and, you know, into battle. Mm. And when it's like pulled back by Venus and other people's considerations, um, or being, uh, not knowing which choice to make or really feeling the weight of choice. Cause I think that's another thing with Libra is it's not so much that they're indecisive. They just know how important choice is. Sure. And once you make one, <laughs> you know, and that could be the exalted Saturn that comes into that sign, you know, like I make a choice, I'm to stick with it. Well, and, um, and that's why it's so hard to make and then one. this deck in Mel it's the Saturn rule Deccan. So you're, you're bound to that choice, right? Yeah. Right. You're, you have a binding to it. Uh, exactly. So. And, and so there's something to be said about, and you, you um, already brought this up a little bit earlier, but I'm just going to reemphasize it. The few days that follow the new moon, uh, because we do have obviously the sun and Mars starting their new cycle. And then Mercury retrogrades back on the ninth, uh, Saturday, which might be the 10th, if you are, um, in Europe or elsewhere in the world, uh, where there is the Kazemi of, you know, Mercury with the sun and its inferior position, but also that conjunction with, um, Mars that happens on the same day that Venus, who is, you know, a, really who has now moved into a sign where she's no longer in aversion, but she's on the South node that day. So Venus is on point to be drained, mm -hmm. to have to release, to, to let go, um, to, you know, like there is, there's a pressure that's going to be applied to her within days of this new moon happening. And so I don't know if you've anything to say about that, Spencer, with, uh, Venus being so close to the South node and yeah, so much of the new moon point. energy happens when we push off the first couple days of it. Right. Yeah. Great, great point. And I, and I want to file away what you were saying about the seven of cups for the, the end of our reading here, because the I Ching reading that we had really reflects Venus in the third decade of Scorpio. So file that away. Uh, the words <laughs> temptation, um, because I think we're going to see something that's presented to us that, that may be that feeling of too good to be true or may not be, you know, right for us moving forward. We have to be really careful. And, and you're, you're talking about Venus changing signs within two, two days or so of this new moon and then immediately conjoining the south node or that severed body of a celestial dragon or a celestial demon that would swallow up the lights of the sun or the moon at, a, at an eclipse period. And I think that Venus moving into Sagittarius says, what do you believe? And are you going to be able to release some of those cherished I know statements to be able to come into harmony with whatever is presented with you? Because it, I, I think that one of the things that stands in the way of a healthy partnership sometimes is when people um, feel that they know what is best and they, they, they feel it with every conviction of every bone in their body. And, you know, we've seen this North node in Gemini 
really encouraging us to increase our ability to ask questions and to be able to say, say well, maybe there's another way to think about this, right? Which is what Mercury mm -hmm. likes to do, um, where the south node in um, Jupiter's house is saying, I know this, this is how we should order this, this is what we should do. Um, so I would resist the urge to make declarative statements and I would maybe increase your ability to ask questions around this period of time. That's always a healthy way to, to start a negotiation is to see if you can completely understand the person that you're working with first, rather than making an assumption and then um, getting upset about it. Like th that was one of the four agreements. Have you, have you read the four agreements, Melissa? I, ha I haven't, I have, and I haven't, like I read the actual agreements themselves. They're not yeah. coming to me right now. So it's a great, it's a great little book, Toltec wisdom. Yeah. And then I think one of them is don't make assumptions, right? I think there's, I'm trying yeah. to remember all of them. Do, do your best. Don't, don't make assumptions. Um, oh man, I'm going to butcher the last ones, but I, I, I like that <laughs> one about, um, yeah, if anybody could put that in the chat box, that'd be great because uh, you could see how an effect it had. I mean, no, no, it, it, it's great stuff. And I think that the, the part about not making assumptions is important because a lot of the conflicts that we have can come from just misunderstandings. So mm. I think that, you know, release old belief systems, get curious, um, recognize, and this is maybe this is a nice transition into uh the next little phase of this, but, um, you know, this is on this new moon is on a really interesting fixed star called Algarab. Uh, so you've been doing some research on Algarab, and I think this plays into the, the temptation type of story. Um, what are some of the things that you found out about this fixed star? Oh, what did I find out? Well, I do. I, before we go into the fixed star, I just want to say that I totally agree with you about like, because I keep seeing in my head after you started talking about that, the idea of jumping to conclusions, which, you know, uh, Cardinal air that is that forward momentum that is acting. That is like a spark, uh, you know, and sun, Mars, Mercury headed that way. Like the idea of jumping to conclusions, we might have to might have to watch for that. <laughs> oh, and we've got we've got a few bit. people helping us out here. Remco says, "Don't take anything personal," and then uh, mm. Kelly is saying, "Be impeccable with your word." Oh man, that's, oh yes, they really served us up yes. <laughs> for us to knock it out of the park with Algarab here. So, so tell us what you got. Oh, okay. So, well, where where are my notes? Oh, Algarab is an interesting star to begin with when you go back and look about its uh, implications with certain things. It actually is uh, very um, active, as at least in, in U.S. Uh, situations with terrorism. And I'm not saying to scare anybody with that, but because um, I think we terrorize ourselves here every day, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, life is full of terror with the news and like, what are, what are we going to be afraid of? Um, but it is part, it is the right wing of the crow and then the mm. Corvus constellation. And it is the nature of Mars and Saturn. So this is a fixed star, because if you don't know about fixed stars, they all have natures of certain planets. Um, and when we put Mars and Saturn together, what do we have there? We got two malefics yeah. uh, doing their thing. Um, and I love kind of a sum up of this. I, I'm going to leave the story to you, okay. uh, Spencer, with the the crow and what it, it's one job. It had one job. <laughs> it's a, you had and, one and, job. And it, <laughs> it just had one job, and and the and it's basically it 
comes up when a variation of the truth, when, when we use a variation of the truth um, or think that an excuse of some sorts would be safe but it mm. turns out to not be so. Yeah. So when we divert from the truth to try, you know, we think about things like little white lies. If I just, a little white lie can't hurt, right? Well, we were just talking about the snowball of cause and effect where maybe, it, you know, not being totally upfront with something or trying to sugarcoat something, which I think Libra could do as well, like a sugar coating. Um, yeah. It's, it's, ends up not working in either our favor or the situation's favor. Um, or if it's found out the integrity mm. of the, the messenger or the deliverer or the crow, <laughs> though you had one job, you couldn't do that. We asked this of you um, and the integrity. And this makes me think about the whole United States and the debt ceiling again, too, because sure. our integrity monetarily is on the line right well, now. Con Congress um, has, has one job right now, right? And it has one job to yeah. do. And if it's not up front and handles that job, um, you know, but that's the thing with this star is it, it, it is um, alluding to the fact that mm. that one job is not going to be done because there is a, a malefic energy at work for whatever reason. Well, because sometimes the job doesn't have to, it doesn't get done because there's another, there's a bigger storyline right. that wants to take place. I'll leave it at that though. Well, and let's, <laughs> let's contextualize this for folks and then we can kind of break it down and apply it. Right. I, I probably should have told the story first, I guess, but so the story, oh, I know. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. So, so for those of Jump you that, to conclusions, <laughs> see, there we go. So th for those of you that aren't familiar with the Algarab story, Corvus the crow, uh, if you look in the sky, you can see the constellation of a crow next to what looks like a cup. And that is the cup or the goblet of Apollo. And both of them are sitting on top of a very long constellation called Hydra, which is the sea snake. So the story goes is that Corvus was given the task by Apollo to fill the sacred cup. Um, and you can infer whatever, whatever should go in that cup, but it, it's some kind of divine assignment that Corvus had received. And Corvus got distracted. Corvus got distracted by earthly delights, like maybe it was like a delicious fig or some kind of thing they wanted to eat or some shiny object that, that crows are known to be distracted by. Um, but the point being is that, that he failed to fulfill that task. And then when approached by Apollo, instead of owning up to the, the indiscretion, he blamed the, the sea serpent Hydra that he was riding on the back of. And, you know, hence, you know, Algarab's significations with, you know, dishonesty, with um, being glib or, or, you know, gossip or, or things where I think this really draws in one of the, the four agreements that our, our chat box has been so gracious of reminding us of is be impeccable with your word. And Algarab failed to do that. And that causes, like you were saying, all sorts of extracurricular issues that wouldn't have been the case had you just owned up to the issue in the first place. And, and I think this is really... It really works for Mars and Libra, because I think one of the, the, the criticisms of Mars and Libra has been, since it's in the house of Venus, it's basically only being given the, the tools of Venus to do Mars things, right? So instead of being direct like Mars would want to be and say, oh, I'm, I, want, I want this, it's always kind of like doing this in this kind of 
um, circuitous fashion, this roundabout way. And you may think that you're avoiding a conflict and in, in creating peace through, through this way, but it may be sowing the seeds of, of a future conflict that may be worse than if you'd originally just like dealt with it uh, up front. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many of <laughs> when you when you don't deal with something directly, yeah. uh, there's all these problems that start to surface within, um, and it could be sur problems that surface that we have to deal with uh, outside of ourselves, and the cause and effect of like just not dealing with a situation that needs it. But it's also the cause and effect of not confronting something head on that might uh, irritate us or make us angry that then re uh, resorts to things like blame and resentment and, mm -hmm. and piled up uh, anger that is not that then can eat that ends up blowing in some way and it gets so out of proportion because it's not dealt with. Yeah. Um, so there is, we do have to look at that, you know, like peace at what cost to some extent. And when you were talking about the crow and, it, you know, cause crows, they love some shiny objects. So they're, they're going to like, you know, get, uh, distracted by the thing that comes into their awareness. And it made me start to think about the North node and where mm. it is now. And the fact that Venus is on point to uh, basically oppose the North node and the North node is in the Deccan of the eight of swords, which is the idea of interference and mm. distraction right. um, and being called, uh, uh, you know, to the side, something getting in the way um, of the of the follow through uh in in some respect and usually it's ourselves that get in the <laughs> in the way of that and so you might want to ask yourself what do i need to follow through with uh what might be getting in the way of that and where can i take um decisive action because i like what leah wrote earlier in the chat she's talking about being in a sixth house perfection year and that's mars um, I think that's Mars for her. I'd have to double check there. She says, Mars seems to want me to advocate for my health versus sacrifice in a workplace situation, mm -hmm. uh, which results in big, uncomfortable changes ahead. And I think that is an interesting point to this because when I did my Libra season podcast with Tara all, I always ask guests at the end, if you had one word to describe this, um, season, what would it be? uh, hers was to adapt. And I, I couldn't, she's like, what's yours. And I was having a hard time coming up with one. I just quieted my mind for a second. And what came up was defend. And mm. I was like, Oh, that's an interesting word to come up for, you know, Libra season, but I'm starting to think about this, this ripe full moon that is a part of this Libra season in Aries. And the fact that Mars is on the sun and the moon there. Yeah. And, um, it's, and this goes back to the debility and the detriment that we were talking about earlier about Mars's, uh, ability to do martial things. And so we might have to step up and, and defend. Um, and that's why when Leah brought that up, like, like my mom always said, you have to be your own advocate. You can't have other people, you know, you can't rely on other people to know your needs or to make choices for you sure. or to stand up, um, for your own best interest. And so that might be part of the discomfort here too, is it's like, if you don't stand up for yourself, who's going to do it? 
Mm. And yeah, you might upset the apple cart in the, in, you know, like along the way or relationships might, uh, go through part, uh, separations or just disruption and conflict, which Mars is known for. But at the end of the day, like if it's very important, uh, and you have to defend that position and it's in your own best interest in a healthy way, because I don't think best interest and self-interest, or some people like to think it's selfish is necessarily a bad thing when it is part of your survival, your well-being, and what you can then give back to your relationships in the world. So we're going to have to find the balance yeah. between all that. Wow. That was, that was really, <laughs> I just did a snake dance there. I was, I was, I was yeah, actually all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I love this. Uh, one thing I think I will piggyback off what you're saying is that um, many of the Libra clients that I work with that have prominent Libra placements, not just the sun or whatnot, a lot of the times what they're, what I hear from them is the nest, the necessity of, of incorporating necessary conflict into their life and not avoiding it. Because I, I think that to, to be able to come into equilibrium and harmony, it does take, like you were saying, an ability to advocate not only for finding um, out what the other party needs, but also to find out what you need. Um, because like you said, if you're, if you're giving up everything, you, that breeds resentment because that's not uh, an energetic exchange that can be sustained over the long term. And when we, when we have those situations, then it starts to leak out in all these roundabout ways and all these Axel snake ways, you know, <laughs> in passive aggressive ways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where you know, and and no one, yeah. no one likes passive aggressiveness. A lot of us are passive aggressive. Yeah. I find myself in that position more often than I'd like to be. Well, we're um, we're cancers. We're we're we are, we're already crab walking. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> so that we live in the the world of pouting and passive aggressiveness. <laughs> sometimes I think. Yeah. Um, but, but I think that one of the things, just bringing it back to some of the universal themes that we're seeing like in the news, and I discussed this a little bit with, um, this other astrologer friend, uh, a lot of the like negotiations with debt ceiling and things like that. I think, you know, we're always seeing a lot of the politicians recently trying to distract us from from really some of the more important issues that that need to go down like they're always adding in new things they're always like bringing up issues that aren't really that important to be able to like don't look over here at this like power grab or money grab or wh whatever it is by uh, other i don't know oligarchical forces at while at the same time pitting the people against one another. And I think this is really a key is when you have people in power, and this really brings in some of the squares with Pluto that we're experiencing over the next month or so, like on all these planets, the sun, Mars, Mercury, they're all going to be squaring Pluto in Capricorn throughout the month is you know, there's always this kind of like, don't look at what we're doing over here, go fight amongst yourselves so that we can do these things behind the curtain. And, and I was really encouraging the audience to not fall prey to that illusion, I guess, th that Seven of Swords or Seven of Cups card, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. Where, you know, that's when 
the the populace the populace loses power is when they're fighting amongst themselves and we've seen that for the last few years like while we've been busy being so polarized about trivial i think some some things that are fairly trivial uh we've had the powers that be like the billionaires getting really really rich you know over the course of the last two years and we've had you know climate issues that have come to a fever pitch and you know these are these are all elephants in the room that like unequal distribution of wealth the the you know climate crisis that is really begging for us to 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 deal with um while we squabble over like you know i I don't know just stuff that isn't as important as those issues does that make sense it does make sense and what it what it makes me think of spencer and the kind of the paradoxical situation that mars and libra brings up in this next cycle is that Okay, so yeah, polarization, it's going to happen. Well, actually, one of the things that makes, uh, you know, the, uh, the free world, I'm going to say, I, I was going to say the US, but I think just the free world in general, because it's not just the US that is free, you know, there's many countries that are that are founded on the idea of democracy and freedom. Yeah. And um, uh, my astrologer friend, Christopher Taylor, uh, put it very well, like, we have to disagree to be free. Like that is the nature of freedom. And so here's this Mars in Libra under a a Venus, you know, rule is that we're always going to disagree. We're always going to disagree. But do we let that polarize us? Do we let that conflict take us over? Or do we find peace in the fact that it's beautiful to be different? It's Mm. beautiful to have different points of view. And if we fight against that, that is what keeps our species torn. Um, And I have my clairvoyant friend when we were talking about the, uh, you know, the pandemic and all the things along those lines is they're like, she was like, well, what my guides were telling me with it, it was, it's not about like these solutions that we think these outs, and I'm not saying vaccine is good or bad or anything like that. It's not about that. It's actually about us being so polarized, like we can start to heal ourselves and the situation by accepting and coming together because this is, this is the diversion and we get, we get sicker, not just in pandemic world, but just as a populace, the more diverted we get. And we see the earth start to erupt because we're all energy. We're all playing off that. And if there's this constant disruption and disharmony and energy, it affects everything that is around us. It's not just uh, the pandemic is the climate crisis. It's all these things. And so this is a bigger topic than just this new moon, of course, but um, it makes me think about, especially sun and Mars seating in a new cycle here about looking at polarity and and diversion um, and how it's very uncomfortable to be in this, you know, tit for tat back and forth, a disharmony, like how can we be proactive to peace, because that is, you know, you look at some of the great war generals of, of time, you're going to see Mars and Libra, like yeah. the people that are able to actively end a conflict into an agreement, which we started off with agreements uh, here with our talk, it, are, the, are these Mars and Libra people, right? Because it's not the consistency of keeping up the conflict that Mars is. It's no, we want to use its detriment in order to bring peace about, if that makes sense, <laughs> what I'm saying there. No, it does. I mean, it, you know, just because a planet isn't quote unquote dignified doesn't mean that it 
it doesn't have a specific role to play in the the celestial drama you know that we're playing out here and sometimes we have you know maybe doing things in a slightly unorthodox way um, maybe it's not done in a pure martial fashion but whatever that planet is is needing to express it may be doing it in, in just a maybe a way that's not the norm if that makes sense like like for a war general to end a conflict you know like that's to, to be a negotiator right on some level that seems to be the antithesis of what a what a war general might be traditionally thought of doing which is crushing and destroying the enemy rather than ending the conflict right so really interesting point that you're you're bringing up with that i just want to point out thank you to lisa for uh a super sticker there um we have this new feature on the channel where oh. you can purchase a super sticker or a super chat uh, with the little dollar sign in the chat box there and that helps support the show so thank you lisa for using that feature i appreciate that um lisa is also saying saturn is either the end of the extreme and uranus comes to reconcile these opposites yeah we're we that, that's really the backdrop of this entire year isn't it the saturn uranus square that we're going through oh, the yeah. old the old and the new uh shaking up the routine and and binding us to some kind of new new structure type of thing um okay so i think we've done <laughs> a pretty good job with al garab and with the this lunation here any any other thoughts with this this new moon did we miss anything um with this one in particular oh geez i mean we could go on for days about it really um, <laughs> but i will just i don't think it's something that we pointed out yet before and it's a very simple concept but this is a uh, a new moon and a cardinal sign and yeah. the uh as we push forward with a with a first quarter in Capricorn, a full moon in Aries, um, you know, these are all starting points. These are all pivot points. This is when things begin. This mm. is when the situation turns, you know, this is not a stabilizing energy. This is not, we've already moved through the adaptation and, and the versatility of the, the mutable like this we're beginning. So, you know, like think about what is beginning for you, even though we're in fall now. So there is the idea of harvest and, you know, like that changing too. Uh, sure. But, you know, if we're, if we're sowing these new seeds that are actually seeds of, of beginnings and starts and where our headspace is at with this, you know, the, the mental component, because this is air um, and the, the very real, uh, the very real, what's the word I'm trying to talk about? The reality that there can be a lot of anxiety within all this. Cause we have, when we have so much air at place, like we got to get in our bodies. We are, can be very anxious. Uh, you know, the answers are not in our head. They're in our heart. So how do we translate the heart to the head instead of the head to the heart? So we'll say that, but if we are at this point where we pivot and we start, let's be very conscious about what we are creating here, because I think one of the things we have not talked about actually Spencer is the fact that Pluto stations direct this day, yeah. um, which we can't quite see in the chart because it still looks like it's retrograde, Just but it, it, one it, day. there it is. Yeah, you can move for a couple hours and yeah. you'll see that it, uh, it, it, it goes direct. Um, mm -hmm. Saturn goes direct on the 10th, a few days after that. Oops. And then Jupiter and Mercury go direct on the 17th and 18th. Um, right before the full moon. So we have all the waxing portion of this new moon cycle 
with major outer planet uh, and Mercury stations. And Wade Caves uh, put it the other day in a, in a webinar I was watching. He was like, it, it kind of made him a little nervous just because when so many, uh, it, you know, superior planets station like that at the same time, there are, it's like, it's like there's a concentration of energy uh, and he's yeah. known it to really affect structures, um, whether that's structures, infrastructures, uh, structures of, you know, when we're talking about the government and things along those lines. So there's so much potency that is tied up in this time of year uh, and really these outer planet stories that we've been following uh, and that Mercury is taking us through with the, this, its retrograde journey on its own. Um, that is going to do a whole switcheroo in the yeah. first two weeks of this new moon cycle. So maybe, what do you think about that, Spencer, with Plu yeah. well, Pluto stationing? See, it's, that means business to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and then Saturn just on the coattails and, and all that. Yeah, you bring up a great point about cardinal signs and their ability to kind of bring in some kind of new, initiate a new season or a new narrative. And I would add to that, that we're initiating the fall and we're initiating this, the season in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, the season of contraction. So I, I think that it's, it's a, a, a place where the sun is weakest, right? Where they traditionally thinking where our own self-interest becomes less um, fluid to express and we have to start thinking in a more saturnian way maybe more universally maybe more about the other or that which is in exile rather than our own personal needs so yeah i agree 100 i want to bring something up while you were talking about that as far as the pluto stuff goes i have the u.s sibley chart queued up here um yes I thought it'd be we pretty, did need to talk about that this be is important to see this here um, so what I've got is I'm, uh, my computer is struggling through switching these charts around. But what I wanted to show you is that on this new moon, we have, you know, it's really in the place of a, an important point in America's chart where we've got Saturn at 14 degrees of Libra in the, the, the United States natal chart. Also, a couple of things that are happening here is you know, Pluto's turning direct. You can. This is why we talk about the Pluto return of the United States, where Pluto is returning after 250 plus years to the original position that it was in when America was founded as a country. The other thing we're seeing is Saturn conjoining the South Node, um, you know, in Aquarius here, uh, almost exactly. And, and Saturn being the ruler of the second and the third house in America's chart, this brings up some really interesting topics, doesn't it? Oh, Spencer, it is so, I mean, I, you cannot, if, if anybody questions if astrology is real, all you got to do is look at the, the U.S.'s chart yeah. and the current configurations because it is so on point. Um, well, it's, yeah, du it's double, what, it's double Saturn with, with, with as far as the financial things you were talking about, right? Because we have a, a contact with the natal Saturn, but also the transiting Saturn is they're both in positions of hardship, I would say right now, wouldn't you say? Yes. And so here, so just a quick rundown of like all that's happening here um, is as Spencer pointed out, we have the new moon on 
the on Saturn uh, in in the U.S. Sibley chart. Uh, that new moon is also squaring the U.S.'s sun, uh, which is the ruler of its ninth house. Um, mm -hmm things like courts and uh, agreements and the Congress itself. Uh, then we have basically Saturn on the South node and that draining that happens on the South node uh, there in the third house, which I'll bring in a little bit more about what that could mean. Um, and then Pluto stationing direct uh, in an opposition to Mercury retrograde in the US's chart, which also has to be well, happens to be where Mercury stationed uh, in Libra. So when Mercury stationed retrograde in that trine to Jupiter in that square to Pluto, it was activating uh, this Pluto Mercury opposition that yeah. is nearly exact in the chart. And what we have to remember too, is as Pluto moves forward, because we are on course here in America, and I know not everybody is interested in America politics, especially if you're overseas, although it is a fascinating astrological story, is that Pluto is on course to make its first conjunction in February uh, to the U.S.'s Pluto. So this is the kind of the go time of like, oh, right, here, it, here it's coming. Um, and so two things. Here we see this T-square happening between the second, the eighth, and the 11th house of the um, of the U.S. Sibley chart. And those are all money houses. You know, the second house is the assets. The eighth house is the debt. The 11th house is the money that comes from the institution or the government itself. And so these are all being triggered as we go through this U.S. debt ceiling crisis that is putting us at risk if they don't raise the debt ceiling uh, to be in a position of default, which we have never been in. And right. if it defaults, it's going to affect the global market. It's going to affect the credibility of not only the United States, but it's going to affect the credibility of the treasury loan system uh, in general, because the treasure, like loaning money from uh, country treasuries is one of the most, is the most like stable way of money moving around. And the only reason we got into this kind of the debt ceiling thing and why it keeps climbing is actually in like the the 19th century, you know, we've been borrowing money for, for a long time, but you used to have to go to different countries with the actual bill or the measure in place of what you wanted to borrow money from. But right. in the 20th century, they're like, well, let's fast track this and just make a debt ceiling so that we don't really have to go with these individual issues. We'll just be like, well, we can guarantee this much debt, you know, like, and so we can just keep borrowing from you. Um, and so the debt just kept raising and raising and raising. And now it's at a point where there are is this bipartisanship and people going back and forth these plutonian power struggles the plutonian blame let me blame someone else across the the aisle that you know that it's it's their fault and so nothing is getting done and we get into this stalemate while we are putting our country's credibility on the line and where it's coming into effect obviously is that second house of the money the eighth house of the debt but a lot of, but it, what the issue that's sliding into it and why people are, uh, you know, the Republicans are filibustering it is because of, you know, the, the Democrats wanting to bring in spending measures 
for things such as infrastructure that is crumbling, which is mm -hmm. a third house, Saturn on the South node. They want to bring in money to deal with our supply chains that are not coming through, which is a very second house and third house measure as well. And so there's these third house issues that are tied up in the actual money and what we need it for that is jamming up and clogging up the system with the power struggle. And the irony of all this is that the, uh, they thought there was going to be a government shutdown uh, because the government actually uh, goes on some sort of vacation at the end of September. And they thought that they're like, they weren't, they weren't coming to any type of agreement. And so they thought there was going to be a government shutdown where, you know, thousands and thousands of people would be out of work, but they passed it just in time to extend that so that people could still be employed through mm -hmm. December 3rd, which happens to be the solar eclipse that's coming. Right. But there still is the deadline for the debt ceiling and us defaulting on our loans that is set for October 18th <laughs> when Jupiter and Mercury station direct right. and Mars is trining Jupiter at the same time. And it's right before the Aries full moon that is going to be square Pluto with Mars square Pluto. That was a lot, I know, but that is that is essentially the story that the U.S. is working with right now. Yeah, and it's it's so fascinating to see it, the connections uh, play out with the the United States chart. Uh, one thing that just popped up when you were talking about all of that is that you know this Mercury Pluto opposition in the United States chart. I think about the third decan of of Cancer. I actually have Mercury like two degrees away from this Mercury. So I've lived this Mercury. And one of the things that is interesting about it is it talks about the realization that someone benefiting will take away from somebody else. So like mm -hmm. Hecate is, is a daimon associated with that Deccan. So, you know, Hecate was like this, you know, this deity, a lunar deity that, that, was kind of associated with death and crossroads and things of that nature. But we have this argument where we're arguing with the government and we're arguing with each other about who should be taxed, who shouldn't, the, the rich getting richer and, and taking from the poor. We've, you know, we've built this country on some really nefarious things, you know, including slavery yes. and things like that. So those are also those issues of for this great mass of wealth to be begotten, we had to oppress somebody else, you know, and, and that that's really going to be, you know, we're going to have to reckon with that with Pluto. Pluto says, hey, this is the reckoning moment. This is something where you're going to have to, you've, you've repressed underneath the ground, like Hades, this corrupt type of thing. And Pluto, I, I always call Pluto that, I used to call it the clogged toilet planet, but I've been saying this <laughs> ad nauseum now, but I think it's the plunger where it says, all right, this clog, this toilet's been clogged for 250 years. It's time for all the shit to like bubble up to the surface and you're going to have to deal with cleaning it up. And some of that is the, I think the wealth inequality that we've, we've had due to our history and, and, and things of that nature. So I, I wonder if, you know, a, lo a lot of the calls have been about proper taxation of the rich and the the top one percent of things like that so that's part of this equation um, mm. maybe we'll see something about redistributing wealth to to people that have historically been oppressed or on the fringe or on that have been exiled um, but again you were talking about you know the, the government has one job right now and that's to to like stay 
functioning. <laughs> you know, they're trying to bring all this yes. other other stuff in to distract from that one job. And it's just so fascinating that that, that 18th date is going to be so prevalent because, you know, like you said, just to run down those dates again, we've got the new moon on the 6th. We've got Saturn stationing direct on the 10th. We have the, um, b before that, the Mars Kazemi on the 8th, the Mercury Kazemi on the 9th, and then the 18th, just all this stuff happens. Jupiter it's... direct, Mercury direct. Mercury makes its heliacal rise on that day also. So it becomes what means it becomes visible. So really important messages taking place. I actually have a feeling like that a we're going to lose. Yeah, I, I, my hope, my hope is that through through the the impetus of a deadline that will just get it worked out and it'll finally be a deal. But the, the, the only thing that really gives me a lot of pause with that is that, you know, we are going to experience a Sun-Saturn square, right? You know, by whole sign, just as the Sun moves into Scorpio. And we're getting a little bit of our head, yeah. ahead of ourselves, but knowing that that's on the horizon, where frustrated movement, where it feels like gridlock, that, that could represent, you know, uh, something where they just can't get their, their poop together and work they it out. They can't get their shit together. Right? <laughs> exactly. So we'll exactly. see. Exactly. Yeah. See. And that's what those stations just concentrating. I do want to bring up what Aaron's saying in the chat, chat and thank you for that clarification. Uh, he says, for the record, the U.S. government does not go on vacation at the end of September. <laughs> he laughs. Um, that is, I feel like they're on vacation all the time, personally. but <laughs> right. that is simply the end of the fiscal year, which is mm -hmm. right. The, the new fiscal year starts on October 1st. Uh, consequently, either a new budget or a continuing resolution is necessary at that time in order to continue to fund government agencies and services. So that's right. why we have that, that deadline is there. No, they're not necessarily going anywhere. Um, but where have they been to begin with? But, uh, <laughs> that there is that, um, that pressure there. And, you know, when we're looking at that chart with that Pluto opposition to Mercury, a debilitated Mercury mm -hmm. retrograde in the eighth house, uh, ruling the seventh house of the U S Sibley chart. Um, and, and you wonder why we have inner faction and fighting mm -hmm. within, we are our own enemy. Most of the time, you know, Mercury's an aversion to that seventh house space. Um, and there's always these subjective viewpoints that come in, which is very, uh, cancerian, uh, water energy, you know, there is subjectivity that comes along um, with that placement. And so having Pluto opposing that Mercury, uh, which is in charge of the seventh house there, it, you know, it really we just shows- we're, We always think that we're right with the Sagittarius. Well, we always think that we're right. We always think that we're right with foreign relations. Right, we always think right. We're, we're right within the, you know, like yeah. we are, and that's when we brought up the idea of like, when I was talking about terrorism before um, with Algarab, uh, because it is has yeah. been associated with the the World Trade Center uh, attack on 9-11, the World Trade Center bombing that happened because yeah, the, it is the right on that. The Ascendant was right on that 14 degree place uh, when the, the Ascendant World Trade and Mercury. Center, right, when the World Trade yeah. Center bombing happened, exactly. Right Her, on the United States Saturn. In the well, with the, when on 9 11, when right. the, the planes exactly. flew in, that was, um, yeah. And what you know, we have all this stuff going on with Afghanistan that is changing right now. And so, they're there basically, we are in a hot spot. Um, and to add to that with the new moon, because if we draw the chart up, um, for the new moon and where that sun, uh, moon, Mars 
falls in the chart in the world, angularity speaking, angularly speaking, um, that falls on the ascendant of the East Coast of the United States with New York and Philadelphia and not far from Washington. So it is an angular new moon for the United States, um, as it is for places like Ecuador, Panama, Cuba, uh, Montreal in Canada. Um, and it's culminating in Norway, Denmark, Germany, Italy, Libya, Niger, Nigeria, Cameroon, and Gabon. I think I'm saying mm. that right. right? Um, but I know Germany's got a lot of stuff going on right now too within their government. Um, and so there's something to be said about these places. Um, it's setting in China, Thailand, Malaysia, and Indonesia, which is always interesting because when we have um, a, a chart that puts an important configuration on the ascendant of the US, it's always going to set in China because we're exactly halfway across the world. So that's probably mm. why they are our partners in many ways, but it's also why they can be our enemies at times too. And when I think about the debt ceiling being compromised, I know that we owe a lot of money to China. Mm. Uh, so there could be something along those lines. And that's um, really interesting. Yeah. I, I, I didn't yeah. know that. that yeah. That and it did play. Yeah. It, uh, it's, it's interesting how the, how that works. Um, well, yeah, I, so. I, I guess I would say, try not to lose hope. You know, if you're out there in the world, uh, it can get really, uh, it's easy to get really overwhelmed by some of these macrocosm issues. Um, I think that if I were to kind of try to ground people a little bit with with this energy, I would say that it's important to hold your leadership accountable. Um, but also it's important to try to find common ground with your neighbor rather than pointing all the fingers at the yes. at the power the powers that be right i think that that sometimes peace starts right in your backyard and by changing yourself you are contributing to changing the collective and i i really think that part of the especially in the third decan of Libra, where it's with all this stuff's going to be squaring Pluto in, in, in Capricorn three, which is bureaucratic systems with Capricorn three, really. Um, Cap Libra three is really about finding inner peace and bringing peace to chaotic situations. So we may see lots of things going crazy around us, but we have to be that center of peace. And then we bring that peace to the, the circumstances that we're at rather than always being like, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to be peaceful until everything around me is perfect or, or safe <laughs> or sane, because that's just not how life works. Life is it always will in never motion. happen. It'll never happen. Right. So It'll never happen. So, so if you're, we're always in motion like this, we're going to have to be the center of the wheel. We're going to have to be the eye of the hurricane. And we each can make a choice individually to be that rather than adding tension to to the mix um and i just that's been just really something i've been meditating on every single day is how can i be that voice of peace how can i find peace within myself so that even if the shit's hitting the fan i can you know remain centered um so that's what i that's what i would offer to, to our audience today as something to to try to cultivate through through whatever means it, it is for you, it could be through journaling, could be through meditation, it could be through turning the news off for a period of time. That's what I've been doing the last few weeks. Is I used to have all these notifications about news stories, and I just I couldn't Ooh. keep up with it. 
And, and I, I finally had to be like, I need to be more um, conscious about what I am taking in every day. Doesn't mean that I put my head in the sand and don't pay attention. It just means that there are certain time periods that I'm going to engage with it. And right before bed is not the right time. No, it's the worst time. Right? So, so allow yourself some time to rest like that, right? Like that four of swords card that we see in the third decan of, of Libra. And then you will be able to make better choices in the moment, right? In that Kairos moment, when you are faced with saying, it's go time, you're going to be more clear headed. You're not going to be as like frazzled. Um, I, I just think that that, that is the, one of the solutions I think right now is finding your own center first. It, I'm not advocating, uh, abdicating your responsibilities but i am saying that you're going to make better choices if you slow down and if you find a little bit of flow right yeah um, that's well the talks uh, well we were talking about earlier with anxiety and, and centering yourself in your body and that's what meditation does for us um and meditation isn't just you know like laying down and i mean and breathing that that's a very important breath work could be a right. wonderful uh, if you're not already doing some sort of breath work, I think that this is the perfect time to start that with that cardinal energy, but it yeah. can be things like active meditation too, where you just take a nice walk and you get some fresh air and you just clear your mind because very, uh, it's very rare occasions are, is are good decisions made from a place of anxiety. Um, we right. have to center ourselves. We have to get to that uh, get out of the head enough to, you know, go with the gut and go with the heart space. Um, and that makes me think about just actually Venus being in Scorpio, uh, mm. within all of this, because it is uh, from an emotional place. It is more from a heart and a gut than it is overthinking everything. And so we have to bridge, you know, it's another Libra word bridge. We have to bridge the gap between that that heart and that headspace and, and centering yourself is definitely the way to do that. Well, and Remco is making a good point here. Remco says the centering action feels like the pivot axes of the Wheel of Fortune card, mm. which which I, I love that. And, and look at what else we, we have with a natal chart. We have a wheel, I mean, you know, and we can either get cast about by the turning of the wheel, or sometimes we're at the top of the wheel, sometimes we're at the bottom, sometimes it's about us, sometimes it's about the other. But if we connect with the center, you know, then we're, we're cast about less by all the twists and turns of, of fate and of fortune. Again, I, I, I would reiterate, it doesn't mean that we refuse the call, like Joseph Campbell would say for the hero. Sometimes we, we try to refuse the call. Um, but if we have a heroic journey that we have to go on, an action that we need to take, usually based on conflict coming up, um, it, it always works out better if we're level-headed, right? Yeah. <laughs> if we've done some of that work. Because uh, we are headed to that Aries uh, full moon on the 20th. And so I think what you just said, Spencer, is very yeah. apropos for what's coming. Well, and, and now what I've got queued up here is the first quarter of this lunar phase where we see the moon that's in Capricorn and the sun has moved into that third decan of Libra, which speaks to uh, coming into balance, coming into equilibrium, the minor adjustments that need to take place uh, with, and, and the moon is activating Pluto uh, at this, this first quarter square. Um, what do you think about this, this first um, <laughs> material challenge that we have here in this lunation phase? 
Well, it is definitely going to give us the precursors yeah. to what that full moon uh, in a T-square with Pluto and then Mars, which is just inching ever so closely to the square is going to uh, bring up. And so, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself or even like ahead of the broadcast, but yeah. when I think about the, the full moon that's coming with Aries, and even when we were talking about the debt ceiling crisis, hmm. just the word crisis, because Aries is known for crisis, especially with a full moon and crisis can look different to different people or what is even considered a crisis and having a first quarter in an earth sign on Pluto, pretty much. Um, that is pushing the story forward is that there is going to be some sort of activation that is very real. Mm. Like this is, this is business. This is the economy. This is our own uh, bank accounts, our own work schedule, uh, having work, not having work. Um, just the structure of our lives uh, moving forward in a, a very tense way that is once again, back to the pivot energies that Cardinal are. And I love what Remco was saying about the wheel, because that is the card that the wheel is turning basically then. And when we think about pivot energy, especially in terms of Cancer and Capricorn, which are solstice energies, these are more extreme uh, pivots that get underway. So even though the pivot of the Libra in the Aries energy that is part of this uh, lunar cycle is more pivots that are a little more balanced. There's, there's an extreme nature that comes with Capricorn uh, on the material realm. And so we are probably going to all be faced with something uh, along those lines. Um, it obviously plays very well into uh, what we were talking about with the whole US and in the money crisis and things along those lines and how that could affect everyone too, because like we said, you know, it's not, we're just not isolated as a country, um, mm. as people like the, we are in a global economy. We're in a global world. So if things like that are, you know, as the pressure, the pressure is going to be on them, right. That, that 17th, 18th deadline is going to be mm. very apparent. Yeah. Um, and it could it's, affect us all, you know, like it does affect us all. And, I'm and so I think chart forward here. And I think like you that were saying, is going to be this, <laughs> what this day go right on. here, the 18th, what we've been kind of pointing out all these, watch what happens over the course of this day to keep an eye on Mercury and Jupiter here. So we've got Mercury is going to be turning direct. Jupiter turns direct here. Um, here goes Mercury. Eventually, <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> and then that's also Mercury's heliacal rise where it's outside of the 15 degree um you know, aspect of the sun, I guess the distance of the sun, which means that it becomes visible again. And anytime a planet becomes visible, literally visible in the sky outside of the, the, the light beams of the sun, we get important messages from that planet. So we will get important messages on the 18th about what's going to happen moving forward. And this is true for all of you personally as well. If you, if you really examine the Libra area of your chart and the topics associated with that house, I really think that many different parts of your life are going to be affected by that particular area because of the stack up here in Libra. You know, look at the Leo area of your chart, look at the Scorpio and the Aries area of your chart for Mars, look at the uh, Gemini and Virgo area of your chart for Mercury. Okay, so uh, this is something where everything's going to be filtered through this, this, this particular topic. Um, Expect messages around this period of time, personally and within the collective. And again, that's going to be 
building up to this full moon that we have here on the 20th. So there's our full moon at about 27 degrees of Aries, mm -hmm. right? And uh, yeah, th that Deccan's really about uh, <laughs> yeah. charisma, isn't it? Like charisma, <laughs> winning over the hostile crowd. Maybe maybe we have to finally you know do the the final negotiations where we say this is what I really want and and schmooze somebody. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe. Well, it is Venus in Aries, uh, the the Deccan for that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a Venus Deccan for sure. Um, yeah. So it, some powerful energies that are coming up throughout the first few weeks of October for sure. So a little fun fact to go back to the first quarter in Capricorn, which I was reading when I was going down debt crisis lane, mm -hmm. um, what was, there's an actual, uh, solution, um, an interesting solution. This brings up definitely Saturn square Uranus, mm -hmm. uh, energies. Um, but supposedly, uh, and they discovered this back in the Obama era because we actually had a, a debt ceiling crisis back in 2011 too. Um, that we got through. Uh, but apparently there is an obscure law that allows the U S government to mint platinum coins in any denomination. Hmm. Um, and so the U S treasury secretary could actually mint a coin of a value of $1 trillion, like a $1 trillion <laughs> coin right. to deposit if, you know, into the fed, if people can't, you know, the, the government, the, the president can make that executive call, yeah. uh, so that we don't have to worry about the debt limit. But what that brings up is this whole idea of worth and value. What is that? You know, and Bitcoin has been like, uh, you know, has been bringing up that the whole time. Cause, uh, I mean, I'm still trying to understand Bitcoin. I'm like, what's the value China just banned Bitcoin, you know, mm. I, that was big. Um, and so I thought this was just a funny little story and there's even people like, uh, doing hashtag um mtfc which is mint the f and coin basically <laughs> to get us out of this thing well, and so the, the i thought whole, that was yeah the whole thing with bitcoin and, and government systems trying to ban that to me and this is just like off the top of my head like personal opinion thought that that seems to be like the government saying we don't have control over the currency anymore oh, yes. and we want it back you know because these cryptocurrencies see, seem to be like the, the the people saying we're not even going to participate in your fiat currency inflation bullshit anymore uh we're going to just have our own means of exchange that can't be taken from us willy-nilly and it, that's threatening to to i don't know i guess powers that be oligarchical people that want to control the markets so that they can make a lot of money and it's you bring up a really interesting point about the, the nature of value uh, the fact that we can just print off a coin and say, oh, it's done, you know, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like th that's the, the nature of fiat currency, which is something that is ne not supported by a gold standard anymore, right? We've gone, we used to have money, these paper bills that were supported by physical gold in like Fort Knox or some shit like that. <laughs> and now we've just like, we just print out money when we feel like it. And that's, those are the types of things that lead to inflation. Yeah. And the devaluing of the dollar or currency that eventually can make it very expensive 
for people to buy basic things. Yes. When, you're, when your dollar becomes devalued due to inflation, that's when a gallon of milk starts to cost $100 or $1. Like in some countries, like you were talking about Croatia or whatnot, one of their dollars is now you need like a million of them to have the same value that they may have had, you know, maybe even 50 years ago or whatnot. So that's why you see like, like you know, let's have a million dollar peso or something like that, like bill. Uh, there's there's all sorts of ways that inflation inflation can wreak havoc on the the average citizen. So it, it's just so interesting that we're we're trying to figure out. I think that's one of the biggest things, especially in America, but also as a global community. How do we assign value to things? How can we make it so that you know it's fair for the most amount of people, rather than just the select few that doesn't really care about whether the common person has enough or whether the common person has a functional planet to live on. That's, I think, again, that's mm. the elephant in the room, isn't it? We've had, we're getting to the point in late stage capitalism where we've exhausted all of the resources of this beautiful, beautiful planet and, and you know, gotten into this, this mistake that we have unlimited growth potential and we're not acknowledging the, the very essence of Libra season, which is contraction, which is rest, which is allowing the soil to restore itself over the winter hibernation season. And, and with this, like with American capitalism in particular, it's, it's always this push to keep moving, keep going, keep doing, keep expanding, keep growing. And if you, if you take it one step further with like the, the crops that we're growing uh, with industrialized farming, uh, like, they don't have any nutrients anymore because we, we haven't allowed that soil to rest. We've, we've only grown one thing for decades, yeah. you know, and it, it, we have to get in touch with the, the beauty of decay, the beauty of contraction, the, the necessary rest as a species, or it's going to be enforced on us by this wise organism that is Gaia, that is Mother Earth, right? that is this, this enclosed system that we need to work with in partnership with rather than feeling like we are completely in control of it. Because this is what you see with climate change with the, with the, and the billionaire solution to this, sorry for my small rant, but the billionaire solution is let's go fuck up another planet. You know, let's go yeah. live on some other planet Mars. Rather, let's it, go to, yeah. Yeah, rather than fix our own. And, and it's, it's, we're going to see an increase in with the increase in temperatures the increase in natural disasters, the increase in instability, which is basically this planet saying, I'm sick, I need rest, I'm going to create a fever, and, and you are going to either disappear from my system, or you're going to like play nice, <laughs> you know, so it's not about let's save the earth, it's let's save ourselves, let's let's save our ability to live here, right? Yeah, I 100% agree with that because it, it's true. We are a reflection of, or the, the larger organism is a reflection of all that lives upon it. Yeah. And so if we are sick and most of us are, I mean, sick is not just sick in the body. We have literally manifested a pandemic, which is actual sickness. Cause usually right. when it gets sick to the body, that is like the last stage. 
but there's so much about humanity that is sick and out of balance, like you're saying, and it reflects upon the, it's the host organism and, and the mother, I think of, I think of it like, you know, mother earth being like this dog that has fleas on it. And I don't want to liken us to fleas, of course, I, you know, no one wants that image, but to some extent, if something is, is blood sucking mm-hmm. and, and like irritating, what the dog is going to itch. It's going to shake. It's going to, you know, and so we see all these natural disasters and and it's just part of the process. And I love what you say, Spencer, about us needing to heal ourselves. We need to work on ourselves and it all starts individually. You know, Mm -hmm. we talk about an Aries full moon and we get there and there's nothing wrong with being, um, focusing on the self when it's in a healthy way, when it's in that meditative way and that centering way and in the needs, uh, like very basic survival needs in a, in a positive way so that we can, you know, not survive, but thrive. Uh, this is the start of the solution for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're trying to find the solution outside of ourselves. We're trying to point blame and saying, you're the problem. Yeah. And we're all the problem. I, don't, I hate saying that, but we're all the problem. And, 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 and you know what, you know what that gives us? We're also all the solution. You know, yes. if, I, if I play the Libra game here, please play the Libra game. <laughs> you know, like because we may all be the problem when we decide to become the solution, when we decide that we as a group are more powerful than the small individuals that may be bad players, that's when we really start to make the change. But we're not going to be able to make that shift if we continue to just be, to just to think of ourselves as individuals. Yes, we have to take personal responsibility, but we also have to realize that our personal actions do affect other people, that actions in America do affect other countries. They do. This is why I have an international crowd here, Melissa, because I acknowledge that fact. And a lot of people in our country don't, you know, because I'm, I'm like, yeah, I get it. The, the, the bullshit that we do here really does have an effect on other people. And we should learn to be more responsible about that and not be these isolationist cowboys. (laughs) So um, speak truth to power, right? I I think that we can, if we do acknowledge that we have a problem, that's the first challenge, is acknowledging that we really are in a crisis point. That's when we get, use the beautiful human ability to, to, to innovate and to find, to be adaptable and to be able to find these solutions by banding together. So I, 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 I'm not trying to be like airy fairy, like, you know, about it, but I think, I really do think that with this Saturn Jupiter conjunction in air signs, it's really important to, to really acknowledge that we do have, uh, the ability to, to come together as a species to figure this out. And we have to, we don't have a choice, right? That's the thing. That's what people mistake right now, especially with, it's frustrating because the pandemic, you'd think that with a pandemic, that would have been like the moment where people like, oh shit, (laughs) I better like, I better, you know, figure this out or uh, my, everyone's going to (laughs) die. Like, And it, it is a little bit disheartening sometimes that even something as serious as that, people are still bickering with one another about like minor things, you know, like about their freedoms and things like that. Um, but I do think that with the, the bigger changes that the earth is facing, it's kind of put up or shut up time. Like people need to like make this shift and put pressure on the people that do, that are the power brokers to put pressure on 
things like the the 100 corporations that are that make 70% of the pollution that we're dealing with with clo- global climate change and crisis um, but but here's the, the key and this is the turnaround and then we'll we'll move forward and and wrap it up i think that the real turnaround with this is that when we think about corporate entities government entities those corporations are going to respond to us and what our desires are as a collective because if we say we're not going to spend any more money on your bullshit product because you aren't acting in integrity that's when people are like those folks are like oh no we're not going to make money anymore we better change something do you see what i'm saying oh yeah so you vote with your dollar if if the if the if the, the only language that these folks understand is monetary, then that's your power. You you vote with that dollar. You say, I'm not going to buy these products anymore. I'm, I'm going to you know boycott like like an Amazon boycott or something like that. That's how you get to those people and say, this is how we are going to work as a society. You do not have all the power because we're not going to give it to you anymore. So I, I that's that's kind of my thought on that. And how do we overcome the bigger mechanizations, right? What do you think? I totally agree with that. And something I've been preaching on my podcast for quite some time now. And I think that's a really, uh, a a role of Uranus and Taurus, um, is, you know, if you want to, uh, evolve and, and shake up the financial structure that is not doing us well, you know, that your power is in your money and everyone has some money for the most part. And so you're, you holding some sort of power, except we give it away all the time and we don't realize it. Um, and so I think that is a very important point. And actually, Spencer, there was one thing that I did oh, want to bring up more? about the first quarter okay. moon that we kind of glossed up. over. Sure. Um, if you can go to the first quarter moon chart yeah, yeah, with yeah. Uh, the Capricorn is we didn't point out that um, Venus now in Sagittarius, having gone through the South node is actually in a sextile to Saturn that day. Mm. And so we see our new moon representatives of domicile ruler Venus and exaltation ruler Saturn coming together in, in an opportunity. Um, especially since the Saturn is, you know, the ruler of Capricorn as well in that first quarter. And I'm not going to say that's the, the answer to everything, you know, it's just, a, it just gives us a door. It gives us a door to start those negotiations or to, um, kind of like open, uh, to the bigger picture and the more the, the Sagittarius energy that goes there and maybe like repositioning the mutability there to start to do something different. There's a listening to the Saturn, uh, mm-hmm. to some extent. And so I don't know if you have any thoughts on, on that, but, um, I just yeah. wanted to kind of bring that up before we closed out that first quarter energy. Cause it, it did seem like you know, some, someone's playing ball (laughs) a little bit then. I like that. I like that it's a, you know, we're coming to terms with reality. I think that that's a sober influence. You know, I think that this is something where it's like, okay, we know that we've got to get rid of some old belief systems and now we're ready to do, uh, the reality check. Right. I think anytime a planet, you know, comes in contact with Saturn, um, it's definitely like, all right, we know this isn't our favorite thing to do, but we've got to suck it up and kind of do it. And I think Venus is going through that yeah. that process when it's making its contact with with Saturn here and being the negotiator as Venus, right. uh, you know, like open to the negotiations and the fairness and 
what, what's going to work here. Um, and having gone through the South node, you know, she's, she's done what she's needed to do and she's more on course for, uh, other than that square to Neptune, but you know, yeah. she's, she's on course to work with some of that Aquarius energy. So hopefully there'll be some lightning there. Um, and it could be off of what Kelly is saying down in the chat. She was like saying, speaking of action and truth, do you have any thoughts of the triple conjunction, um, at 16 degrees Libra on October 9th. And that's when we were talking about that inferior. And we talked about this a little earlier in the program, Kelly, but, um, that could, that I feel like that is a de deciding moment for a lot of what could take place at first quarter, you know, because there is something to be said about the sun lighting up Mars, lighting up Mercury, um, and, and the, the truth, what's revealed, what's, uh, even downloaded within ourselves, uh, that it can be activating an activating force for decision-making, um, and coming to certain terms with things and these binding contracts that we started this whole conversation around like yeah. contractual agreements and the right well, time. And Mercury, Mercury and Mars come together too. Maybe yes. the negotiations are probably going to be a little heated. I, I would say, Always. <laughs> I would say, watch, watch your words. You know, I, I think that what for agreements, exactly. Like be, you know, be true to your word. you like, have integrity with your word. I think that you can, an, an agreement, a negotiation can break down in a second if you're not following the social graces that are necessary, the back and forth, right? If you just like pop off and like, fuck you, you know, like that can, someone can leave the negotiating table completely and then you, you're back at square one and you're, you're not going to be able to, to, to get back to harmony as easily. So I would, I would resist that temptation to like, blow someone off completely or blow up verbally around that period of time with that conjunction. Um, it's going to take patience. It's going to take you being centered. It's going to take a time out. It's okay to take a time out and say, I need to, I need to collect myself a little bit, right? Rather than just like, you know, in the moment getting, getting all flustered. So yeah. All right. Do we have any other, anything else with the full moon? You, you feel pretty good about that? full moon is a, is a broadcast in itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it will be. So we'll, we'll see you again yeah. around that time to talk about the full moon. So I, I'm going to stop my share for a second here. And I wanted to, to talk, Melissa, we're going to wrap this up today with uh, an I Ching reading and an animal of the day. So let's start with the I Ching here. The I Ching that I pulled was number 44 which roughly translates to encounter, temptation. I'm going to go through a list of, of translations. Coming to meet, the coupling of opposites, two ships passing in the night, hidden dangers, the beginning of corruption, uh, and a need to nip problems in the bud. So this is changing to the hexagram six, which roughly translates to conflict, contention, arbitration, demanding justice, and speaking out. And we have one changing line. Number three. And number three says, this is, this is a funny one, sort of, but it, it points to something really important. It says, there is no skin on his buttocks. Some, some translations call it the thighs. Uh, and walking is hard going. Danger, but no great blame. So this, this 44 is a temptation. It, it's, I remember I was saying that, like, go like remember this card the seven of cups here and you've got your yeah. your other deck there that you are showing us um because i think that what yeah there you go whatever is coming up at this you know new moon it may not necessarily be 
the right thing for you. Like Algarab, it may be a distraction and you have to get clear on what is the right thing for you that is in alignment with your integrity. Could be an attractive possibility. Um, but but one of the things about this this line, no skin on the buttocks, right? Like this was about not being able to move forward. And in all of the research I was doing, it was saying that you may be held back by circumstances and that, that could cause some vacillation and unhappiness and frustration, but count your blessings because that divine roadblock could be saving you from yourself, from getting involved in something that may not actually be right for you. So I, I think that that's, uh, that's really interesting. Do you have any thoughts on 44 and six here? Uh, well, yeah, there's, um, yeah, the idea of decoupling another, uh, reference I, uh, have in one of my, one of my books is resisting weakness, mm. uh, for that as well. Um, and it's interesting. The hexagram itself is, is heaven over wind, you mm -hmm. know, like the celestial self over, over the wind, which of course we are talking so much about airy things with Libra. Um, and some of the things that came up is like you said, you know, the coming together, will the relationship last, uh, a powerful force that can change you, but might not be in your life forever. Cause sometimes something comes in and blows through like a gust of wind and we're forever changed by it. Uh, it we're just a fateful meeting or a crossing of paths, um, kind of waltzes in and waltzes out. And it's almost like just that union in that moment was powerful enough to change a course. Right. Um, some other things that the, uh, that reference was bringing up was um, holding fast to one's ethics mm. uh, and a conscious effort of being strong within your own character. And that's when that resisting weakness comes up uh, and understanding that, you know, your agenda is not set by the people that are around you per mm. se. Because if that other person is so strong um, and might not be that good for you, do you want to align your life with someone else's agenda that might not be in your best interest? Uh, so you don't want to let weaker people uh, set your direction. Um, and that's the idea of resisting weakness. And so the changing line of the three, like kind of smack dab in the middle, but at the bottom uh, of you know the first trigram, um, I liked one of the interpretations that came up talking about back and forth, back and forth, right? Because Libra is very, can be very back and forth. Right. And it says, and the question it brought up is, isn't it time to free yourself of this influence of going yeah. back and forth, back and the forth. The vacillation, right? The vacillation. Yeah. Until you stand firm against it, you live in constant danger of living under its control. So that's also the idea of resisting weaken, weakness from not making a decision. And the rush song that I, I sang to everyone earlier um, is that even if you are uncertain, sometimes you, and this goes with the seven of cups too, sometimes you have to decide what you want and go for it with determination yeah. because sometimes there's not always a hundred percent in a choice we have to make. And if we're always working, waiting for that hundred percent, we might never get to the choice. And so that is part of the changing line here um, and why we have to take responsibility for the situation, even if it's awkward, uncomfortable, could be hard work, uh, doesn't allow us to rest in some way, or we didn't ask for it. We didn't want it to begin with, but here it is, you know, type well, of thing. Well, and isn't some of the pain really in the indecision itself? Sometimes yes. once, once we make the choice, it's such a relief, even if it turns out in the future to be the quote unquote wrong choice, it gives us valuable information so we can make an adjustment. So it allows us yeah. to move 
forward right is what it does um and so the idea of the hexagram six and where it's going to the heaven over the stream so heaven over wind was like blowing through and now stream goes along with the flow which mm -hmm. i think will go into our animal mm -hmm. here that's yeah. coming um but it brings up conflict arguing but it brings up resolving conflict too um, where we stand up for what we feel is right. This thing, this makes me bring up Leah's question earlier that she brought up of her standing up for herself and what she needs there. Um, developing a common ground, right? Because if we need to resolve conflict, we have to find the, the even ground. We have to find the Libra. We have to find the negotiation, the compromise, the cooperation with the situation. Um, and understanding your own motives within it, which is very Mars in Libra too. Like what, what part do you play? What are, what are you trying to get out of this situation? How can both people win enough, right. you know, um, within the conflict? Um, and also brought up keeping a cool head in arbitration, which is mm. what you just brought up with being an integrity of your words yeah. and really arguing for what you need. Don't go off on a tangent. Uh, don't go off in a, it makes me think of the Congress and what we were talking about before, where we, we're just arguing these bipartisan sides of what we need. Well, it's not about getting everything you need. Right. It's about finding enough balance to resolve the conflict that needs our attention now, instead of wavering back and forth. I love that because it, you're totally right. Cause it's not about, can you get the 100% victory, right? That's not going to resolve the conflict. No. That's just going to lead to, <laughs> it's going to lead to future resentment and, and a future conflict. So how can you get the core of what you are asking for while also giving up something so that the other person feels like they've gotten the core of what they're asking for and not getting distracted by all these like little, uh, I don't know, these, I don't know, the, what, what is the word for something like very Virgoan, <laughs> like, like I, I, something more than the details, but like the supportfulness of yeah, like the, exactly. the added, you know, just, it's not going to be a perfect solution. Right. Exactly. Like just, just not getting, getting distracted by the structure of the deal and the, the little tiny details uh, and really getting into the essence of what your agreement is. And mm. like you, you are, you are setting us up for the, the animal of the yes. day, uh, <laughs> which was the jellyfish, um, which uh, the notes I have written down for the jellyfish is stop forcing things, go with the flow back to basics and the beginnings. Um, they also can sting. So your words can sting, uh, but relax, be patient, be calm, float on the ocean currents. You're out in California. Tell us more about the jellyfish out there. <laughs> it's so funny because when I think of jellyfish, cause I grew up on the Gulf of Mexico in Florida. Yeah. And so we had way more jellyfish out there, um, where there would be a certain time of year where it kind of jellyfish season hmm. and you just knew they were just kind of out there. Luckily I never got stung, but many people did. Um, Those little blue, blue ones that look like balloons, the man, man of war. <laughs> I, I don't think there were the blue one. I think they were actually oh. a little bit smaller. I know the blue ones yeah. that you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> jellyfish are beautiful. If you ever see yeah. them like at an aquarium and how they, you know, they have a bioluminescence to yeah. them. Um, and so they're really are beautiful creatures that you can see through too, right? There's a mm -hmm. transparency to uh, jellyfish. And we talked about that within the fixed star and being right. truthful. And so there's a, I, this is just coming through me now and I'm thinking about jellyfish and transparency right. um, where, you know, we have to be, you know, like pretty upfront 
we got to, we got to be truthful with this. And there is that non-resistance of being able to go with the currents of life and moving with it rather than fighting it. So I think that is, and I did talk about, we are talking about conflict and obviously conflict is going to come up, but how long do we have a conflict for? How long do we add to the pain of the situation or the stinging of, you know, when we, allow ourselves to uh, acquiesce enough in the compromise in order to go with the flow of things. Because at at the end of the day, we need to go with some flow. We might have to fight a little bit, but if you continue to fight, nothing's going to be resolved um, and the situation is not going to move forward. So I think that once again, we come up with kind of like a, a paradoxical nature of like the two together, but we have to get to the point of, uh, of a non-resistance once we get enough once we get enough it's so that we can move with the currents of life rather than getting jammed up with it um which is funny because one of the things that came up is when you're in conflict and there is not a resolution because of stubbornness like Mm. that was what i read about with the the jellyfish so well and, and am i correct too that they don't actually have brains so maybe this could be something about not overthinking you know your position as well right? and we talked about this before yeah. the centering the getting out of anxiety uh, right. anxiety is overthinking if you're giving mm. yourself a headache and you have a migraine that that is your like number one like okay i got pull back i gotta yeah. do this a little differently um for sure but i love the jellyfish i, I thought it was uh I just kind of apropos like for this yeah, for this yeah. uh lunation for sure yeah. it's kind of sweet even though we're all kind of scared of them too right but if well, you just leave them alone right yeah. if you just get out of their way <laughs> <laughs> there you go Try, don't poke the beast right? don't poke <laughs> the beast yeah all right well hey hey mel i think we did it i think we got through the uh the lunation here um, thank you so much for, for joining me here today. And thank you everyone that's joined us in the chat. This was wonderful. A lot of great questions, a lot of uh, interesting comments. Uh, thank you, Kelly, for the, the super sticker. Uh, that, <laughs> that is a, yeah, that's, that's a little fox there, I think, or, or a kitty, one of the two. It's, I, it's, I think it's a cute little fox. I love the little images that come up with these super stickers. Um, and, and make sure that you check out uh, Melissa at energeticprinciples.com. Sign up for her mailing list. Um, use her code EP20 for my Deccans of Libra workshop or the Deccans bundle, uh, and you can save 20%. Uh, that is coming up in, in roughly a week or so, a week from Saturday. So. Oh, are you doing it? You're doing it right on that. that... <laughs> Mercury Kazibi. Yes. So, so the the... the Hopefully the thoughts will be flowing uh, and it'll be a good thing. Oh, yeah. I have um, a feeling, I'm feeling you're going to be on point. That's your third house too. Oh, Spencer's going to yeah. have so much to teach you. And, and I've never been accused of not being thorough. So <laughs> like, I, I, feel, Virgo. I feel duty bound to, to give you your money's worth. So uh, we're going to do a lot of things in regards to the mythology of Libra. We're going to talk about some of the planetary influence in the Deccans. Um, the tarot synchronizations. Uh, I really had a good time with the the Virgo one last time. So um, check that out on my store on my website, spencermichaud.com if you haven't seen that. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to to teaching these these uh, workshops and hope that you all join me. And um, again, you can get 20% off with the code EP20. All right. I think that's what I've got for today. Thank you, Deborah, for the super sticker. Appreciate you stopping by. And um, 
yeah, we will see you all the next time. Uh, I have, for, just for those of you that want to know what's coming in the hopper, I've got Cat Rose Nelligan coming up for the full moon on, uh, what is the date that I have here? <laughs> oh, she's going to be joining me. Hold on. I've got her for the full moon. Um, well, I'll figure it out. I'll post it on there. I think that she's coming on the uh, the 15th of October. Um but don't hold me to that. I'll post it in a link somewhere. But she's going to be talking about the full moon in Aries. So so keep your eyes peeled for that. I also have a mailing list if you want to know those dates. Sorry, Mercury is playing tricks on me today. But thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you, Melissa. I really appreciate it. And we will see you all the next time, okay? Take care, everyone. Bye, everyone. All right.